1: This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. It's Civilized Barking. I'm Zach Jackson. The Browns are 4-1. They are absolutely unbeatable. No, they're playing well. Um, and as I wrote this morning, as we've talked about here, um, I really don't know what's going to happen Sunday. That in itself is progress. If you're listening to this, you're probably well aware that Heinz Field has been open since 2001. The Browns have won one time there. They go there every year. That was way back in 2003. Um, The Steelers are 4-0. The Browns are 4-1. We'll see what happens. Uh, Sometimes on this late-week podcast, we do questions. We do me rambling. But in honor of the occasion, we're going to knock all that out. We're going to bring in my esteemed colleague, Mark Caboli, over in Pittsburgh, and we're going to talk about this really big game. Hi, Mark. Hey, what's up, all my Cleveland fans?
2: How you doing? <laughs> Speaking in my Pittsburghese downtown. I'm sure you love that. <laughs> all right,
1: so the you know the Steelers are good every year, um, especially to the listeners here, even when they're not. They're 4-0. We know they've beaten nobody. We know they've had a strange start. Uh, we know the defense that was absolutely incredible last year, almost good enough to get them in the playoffs despite playing the duck, um, has not really delivered in any area except the sacks. So just start with your overall feeling on on what you've seen from the Steelers um, and you know just kind of the vibe they're giving through all the strange things that are going on
2: here. Well, Zach, first of all, I mean, this narrative of them not playing anybody is true. They've beaten four teams that aren't very good. But you know what? Seattle Seahawks have – or 5-0 at this point right now, and their combined record of teams they've played are 5-15. and And I don't hear much narrative about that. So what I'm saying is the teams are only as good as they play that day. So is there something to the Steelers playing the Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles? Potentially, but that's not like they're the only team out there that hasn't played anybody. So as for the Steelers, man, it, you know – You've having some, like you said about their defense, their defense has been tremendous last year and kept them in games. Their defense a little bit suspect in the secondary so far through the first month. That might be the one, one uh, issue going forward here. Cause they got Joe Hayden, who's what? 30 years old now. And Steven Nelson, who had a great year last year, but you know, Mega Fitzpatrick has been invisible at times. Uh, Terrell Edmonds our first round pick has been invisible at a time so yeah I mean defense, the Mika
1: thing is just baffling I mean, he was yeah, you know so what? good last year the
2: thing is is he's playing a lot of just boring center field it's like let's not get him beat and uh, you know let's not get beat over the top so let's throw him back there let's make him the last line of defense and to be honest with you I think he's getting bored I think he's getting bored and I think he's not you know, he might be losing his train of thought and maybe he's missing some tackles. He's missing, you know, probably four or five tackles this year so far. It's hard though. I mean, you know, when it comes last year, he jumped onto the scene and had so many big plays early. It's hard to duplicate that, but you know, this, this Steelers team, as you probably know in Cleveland, it's all big Ben right now. He's been absolutely fabulous. And I'm not even talking about the 10 touchdowns and one interception. It's just, decision-making, getting in and out of plays, uh, making calls at the line, protection calls, something you would never see from Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges last year. And I know Cleveland wants to bring the pressure here, but you know what? He is getting rid of the ball in some record times this year. He's at 2.37 seconds, I believe, by far the best in his career, the best in the league, he's catching it. He's getting it from the the, the center and getting rid of it. So there's not many opportunities to knock him around. So if you ask me to sum it up in, you know, one sentence of the Steelers, it's been big Ben's been come back, came back, uh, you know, with a fire lit under his butt. And he's the difference maker between this year and last year.
1: Do you uh, bring your stopwatch in your lunchbox to to time those release times? (sighs) what's that <laughs> do you bring your stopwatch to the games to so time oh, was release time
2: oh you know what there, there's a fabulous thing they invented i think al gore did it's called the internet
1: Zach. <laughs> okay
2: and uh i was able to come across the i think it's on next gen stats or something i think you need a doctor's degree
1: to figure it out how yeah to read it but i think i did well no, I agree. Like, you get some really good nuggets off that site, but you also get a headache trying to scroll through it. There is no doubt about it. Um, that's how you attack the Browns, Mark. Uh, Miles, Garrett, The Browns stink defensively, except for Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. All right? Um, you know, that's, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but that's a good way to sum it up. And the best way to take Miles Garrett out is obviously to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, know where he is, and the best way to attack is just to throw short passes on the Browns. That's what everybody's done that's had any success. So if he's doing that oh, and those guys make difference. plays, it'll be a long day for the Browns.
2: He's thrown 14 passes in four, four games that went 20 yards or further down the field. He's only completed four of them, and that's been an issue, but only 14 passes out of 150 or 60. It's all underneath quick stuff. Get rid of it and let your playmakers run with the ball. And I can't see how they're not going to continue to do that this, this
1: week as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to score 30 to win this game, right? Maybe not. You know, maybe high 20s. But th- this is certainly not a 14, 13, somebody playing for a field goal at the end, right? This is let it rip and, and try to score as many as you can. You wouldn't think so. I mean, the Steelers' defense has been good. I mean, they pressure the – the living
2: crap out of the quarterback and that same website there is that guess who's last in the league and holding on to the ball
1: <laughs>
2: baker oh there you go baker made for last he holds it by far the f- longest than any other quarterback in the league and if the steelers can get some pressure on him and they've been you know they have blitzed a lot in a couple games they pulled back a little bit against texans and last week a little bit but tons of pressure but the turnovers haven't come along with it If they're able to pressure, like they're they're going to be able to pressure, regardless of how well the Browns' um, offensive line have been playing, they'll be able to get some pressure on him. I think the key is the turnovers, and I think the key will be keeping Baker in the pocket where he was very successful against the Steelers up there in Cleveland last year was he broke contain and threw on the run. He was very hard to stop there. And they're going to try to keep him within those tackle boxes and make him just five steps drop and make the decision
1: to throw it. So, um, you know, they gave up yards to Randall Cobb, who's 30 years old and they gave up a ton of yards last week to Travis Fulham. I think that's how you say it. Um, You know, who's been cut (laughs) like six times this year, had a big game. So, is it the blitz is not getting home? Is it somebody blowing a coverage on the back end? Is it you know? What do you think it is?
2: Now you have to add on to that too. I mean, that they've the two cornerbacks have I believe four pass interference calls. They haven't played well. And I mean, compared comparative to last year where their Hayden was a Pro Bowler and and Nelson probably should have been a Pro Bowler, but then you look at the stats through four games last year and this year. They're quite, quite similar. So you're thinking, where are these numbers coming from? I, I, think, I think there's been a couple plays where, you know, they may have been out of p- position. There's been a couple plays where you're like, how in the world did that guy make that catch? There was a 40-yard pass at the end of the half last year. that I mean, last week that he caught it, and by the time he fell down, the half was over. I guess all those th- things ha- add up. But uh, I mean, they've been tested the same. They've been everything's been about the same, except they've been giving up a couple big plays uh, over the top. I mean, week one against the Giants. So I think that's the big thing right now. I think the the blitzing ha- got to a point where they were up over sixty percent, maybe against Denver, pretty high against Houston in the first half, and they pretty much Deshaun Watson picked them apart until they changed their Thought in the second half. I think they went, got little blitz happy. They've pulled back since then. And I think that's been the issue. You leave those guys on an island out there. I don't care who you have, other than Darrell Revis. They're going to get beat from time to time. But here in Pittsburgh, gets a little bit of a concern with the cornerbacks because they played so well last year. I mean, they weren't even looked at. And now all of a sudden this year, you're seeing plays and the plays that aren't being made or get called as. You know, thirty yard penalties down the field, so
0: looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with twenty four seven, US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Um, So the Browns, things are going so well for the Browns that no one's even bringing up the fact that Browns traded their precious draft picks to move up and take David Njoku one step ahead of TJ – well, one pick ahead of TJ Watt. Um, Sorry to remind you guys that's truly what happened, but um, it's Watt against a rookie left tackle this week, at least for the most part, right? So you got to feel like the Steelers' goal has to be to stop the run and put Baker in those must-pass situations where Watt and those guys can get after him, right?
2: Yeah, I mean – TJ Watt. I mean, what's probably going to happen is they'll have a couple, you know, a couple guys over to that that side of the field, and and it's it's happened in these first four weeks of, you know, a little chip here, a little bump here from a from a tight end, and they'll probably let the other guy worry about Bud Dupree one on one. That's probably the best way. But TJ Watt's been spectacular, and it's just he knows he's not a big guy. He's not a strong guy. He just knows how to use the hands. He knows how to set up situations and he can dominate. I mean, if you're not really, really aware of him and not sp- paying special attention to him and put Baker in third and 17th, he's going to be there. He's going to be there and he's going to knock the ball out of your hand as he does it as well. So that that's probably going to be a huge key, but it's tough. I mean, if you stop him, then you have to have Bud Dupree want line up, one-on-one with the other guy. Then you got Hayward toured in between in the middle. Then you're bringing blitzes as well with Hilton off the corner, Vince Williams up the middle. I mean, if you can, can control that, there's, you know, there's benefits down the field, but you can get rattled in a hurry. And I'm sure that's what they're going to try to do to, uh, to the Browns here in Baker. I don't know. I don't know if they think he can sit in the pocket and just pick them apart.
1: Well, the, you know, the run game is driving everything. The offensive line is playing super well, although they're down a starter, uh, and Wyatt Teller. And they've been so unpredictable, Mark. Um, you know, you, you know, you think they're going to run and they hit you with the play action. They start running, they pop you deep. That sets up the screen game. So um, it's been good. Uh, the Steelers' offensive line, I know we're 72 hours out, but what's the outlook on Pouncey and DeCastro?
2: Well, neither one of them practice on Wednesday, but that's typical. They, uh, Never practice. I mean, nobody practices on Wednesday. They allow us to come down to watch practice a couple days a week, and there's no use going Wednesday because they just have a bunch of walkthroughs and uh, nobody of note practices. Um, It's going to be – I think it's going to be tough. We'll find out more later today or whenever this posts on Thursday. But it looks like Pouncey will play. If not, it's a huge, huge loss because they have a guy with four career – Four career snaps I'm going to replace him in JC Hassenhauer. So that's not good. The Castro abdomen, I mean, I'm not quite sure. How do you hurt an abdomen other than some sort of strain? But they have issues. I mean, they got Kevin Dodson, who's a rookie, who's already played a couple games this year. They keep it simple for him. He'd be pretty much okay. All the rest of the guys are, you know, pretty much healthy. I think the key is is going to be, I mean, Chuk's a core for. He's starting at right tackle since week one because Zach Banner, of Cleveland uh, people will probably remember him, was the starting right tackle. Um, hurt his knee, but uh, I think Alejandro Villanueva is going to be a key matchup with somebody like Miles Garrett because he hasn't
1: played quite well at all. Yeah, so the Browns are moving Garrett around, um, and he's kind of told us it's it's part by design, and then sometimes he gets to pick his spot. You know, as the game goes on. Now, last week, Anthony Costanzo, a well-established left tackle, um, did not play. And Garrett and the Browns just ravaged him. But that's the strength of the team, the whole D-line. Larry we didn't play last week. He should be back. Sheldon Richardson is playing. He's almost 30. He's playing the best ball of his career. And Olivier Vernon, who hasn't really been healthy through his two years here, got back last week, had a good game. I mean, the Browns will bring the pass rush. So Ben has to get it out quickly. And I think the key adjustment for the Browns is, you know, how do you make sure that you're, you're, you know, holding those guys, the four-yard pass has got to be four or five-yard gains, right? You cannot let Claypool and Juju catch those quick ones and and take off for big gains. Here's another thing, Zach, is um, Steelers brought in a
2: uh, quarterback coach for the first time three or four years, Matt Canada. He was at Maryland, LSU, he was at Pitt. And he's notorious for having what we call here the Matt Canada offense, which is a lot of jet sweeps, motions. And they've been using that a ton as well, just to get defensive out of sorts a little bit. They'll put guys in motion. They'll do unbalanced. They'll, they'll put tackles in motion. Um, you saw what they did with Claypool's touchdown last, year, last week. They had like a, a quad bunch to the left. They're just doing some crazy things to, to, to make defenses hesitate a little bit and make them run horizontally a lot more as well. So that, as a Cleveland fan, you might need to watch that of how much they use that to be able. I mean, they've been handing the ball to guys like James Washington, Chase Claypool out of the jet sweep as well, and they have a lot of different things out of that they haven't used it a ton but they brought it out last week and it was really successful so it just gives them another option that you probably haven't seen from the Steelers if you're just going back and look at tape from last year
1: oh what is the state of the running game there I mean I watched week one and it looked like Benny Snell took over and I don't think he's done <coughs> anything since so he fumbled. what's going on he fumbled two times within a span of
2: two games late in the Giants game early in the Broncos game and he's in the doghouse um, it's Connor right now but you know what they've although they don't want to admit to be a running back by committee they are definitely holding back on Connor some they're keeping him in within that 15 to 20 touch range per game where he's pretty much been effective but their numbers are decent they've had 300 yard rushers in four games. And they had 150, 160 yards rushing last week. But each time, it's basically been one game. Last week, Ray Ray McDonald took an end around 60 yards. So that bumps the numbers up. Late against the Texans, Connor goes like 60 yards. So that all of a sudden bumps 35 yards rushing for Connor to 100. They haven't been consistent running the ball, but they have been able to create a couple big plays when they've needed it. That's a position where they do need to get better. But that offensive line's had four, five maybe, five different starting line combinations in four weeks already. They've already had eight offensive linemen play 50-plus snaps. So uh, if the Castro's out, if Pouncey's out, I wouldn't expect them to uh, be very success, successful at running. They'll keep trying, but it's just something's missing. I mean – Snell is basically not touching the ball anymore because of the fumble. Um, Jalen Samuels, who was like a third down guy, played one snap last week. It's been a lot of James Conner and the rookie Anthony McFarlane got some touches a couple weeks ago as well. So they've really supplemented short passing for a dominant run game. They view it as the same. So uh, if you can establish run good, but they like to use that more as a the four-minute stuff at the end of games, try to, you know, nil down at the end of the game, which they have been able to do all four games so far.
0: Right.
1: So the situation, Mark, just kind of, to me, um, sums up you know, where these two franchises have been. The Steelers are 4-0, which is great. Um, they haven't proven anything yet, and they haven't won the division in two years, right? So they're kind of looking down the road. The Browns are 4-1 for the first time since Belichick was the coach. So they're excited as hell, and everybody knows it's a step up in competition. It's a measuring stick. It's every cliche. It's a really big game for them. Um, I think it's a big game for the Steelers, too, but... I. I I just I present all that in the context of, you know, do the Steelers really feel like they have a team that, that can be a 12-win team and be a real AFC contender this year, or do we just not know yet?
2: Yeah, I think they do. I think they believe they have everything it takes. They're not going to tell you that or anything to that degree. But, hey, they were an 8-5 and five team last year until they cropped the bed the last three weeks of the season. I mean, this is without a quarterback to throw the ball, you know, 20 yards down the field with Rudolph or, or duck. I mean, they feel their defense got better. Their special teams have upgraded some when they got Cole quit as their punter. Now um, I think they think they can, and they, you know what, the two time, well, not the last game of the year, but the one time they did play the Ravens last year in the middle of the season, they pretty much limited Lamar Jackson. So they feel that they have their best chance yet. And, and the thing is, is, seems like everybody's getting along for the first time in a long time here. Maybe it's because us media bums aren't allowed in the locker room and can't stir <laughs> up anything. But it just seems, unless they're just projecting it and they're really fighting every time they go inside that locker room. But it seems like they genuinely genuinely like each other this year, which has been a little bit of a change from the norm over the past four or five years. Maybe that has something to do with
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I will say the number one difference you'll notice regardless of how it goes is, is the Browns are a completely different team from a coaching organization, discipline standpoint. You know, um, I'm telling you Stefanski, it's only five games and people have forgotten for good reason that they lost 38, six to the Ravens in week one, and it could have been 68 to six, but they are not beating themselves, Mark. The, they are forcing turnovers. The other teams are making the big head head scratching mistakes that we like to write about and, call the radio stations about, you know. Um, the offense is is playing within itself. Like I said, the defense has clear limitations, but they have one megastar. And the other guy – they're winning the turnover battle every single week. And if in this league, if you force a turnover and score off of it, you give yourself a chance every single week.
2: Yeah, speak, speaking of liking each other, it seems like the Browns are liking each other and Lisa liking their uh, head coach. So that's, that's a plus. But, I mean – I'm sure the Browns, I mean, I'm if I'm the Browns fan fan who've been around for the you know the past 20 years, I sure the heck would be skeptical. At one little blip I'd be like, uh oh, same old Browns type of situation. So I'm sure some of those Browns fans are, you know, if Steelers get up seven-nothing are gonna worry, like, oh man, here we go again, type of situation. It's gonna be interesting to see. But you know, last year. There was two good games. Well, not really. I guess the Browns whipped them up pretty good up in Cleveland. But the second game here was was pretty decent. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if the Browns can, you know, sort of match the Steelers' intensity because of all of the past problems they've had or, or if Kevin Stefanski, which is, has been a shock to me, not because he's you know, not a good coach, but you got a new coaching staff coming in. You're not allowed to talk to anybody until basically August or see any of them. Then go four and one. That's quite impressive right there. Wait till they actually get to know each other.
1: Yeah, no, it, it has been impressive. Um, you know, Miles Garrett has been the MVP. They lost Nick Chubb, who's one of the best players in the league. I don't care. People can argue on that. He is. He's not one of the best running backs in the league. He's one of the best players in the league. But Stefanski has been good. And you just look at everything last year that jumped off the page in terms of not sticking with anything offensively, getting penalties, you know, making dumb mistakes. It's only five games, but it's the other team that's done that. All right, before we get out of here, Mark, um, I know it's Chase Claypool, but so he's excluded, even though he's he's a big key to this game. Outside of him, does the number eleven mean anything to you? Number 11, is this like a trick question or something? No, no, I just, it, it's my segue. I wrote this myself in a moment. All of right, time. I'm going to try to screw this up for you. So what do you think? <laughs> number 11, mean anything to me? Uh,
2: how many times I failed algebra in college? <laughs> okay. Could that be
1: it? No, that's not what I'm getting <laughs> at. So um, Ben Roethlisberger. Has won 11, And I know this game's in Pittsburgh, but he's won 11 games in First Energy slash Cleveland Browns Stadium. He was the winningest quarterback in the history of that stadium. <laughs> and he doesn't play for the Browns, as you know. Last week, Baker Mayfield got win number 11 as a starting quarterback and has now tied Ben Roethlisberger as the winningest quarterback in First Energy Stadium. In the history of obscure stats and sad stats, is there I'm anything right. sadder? I could see if it, if, if that field, if the stadium was open for a couple of years. We're talking
2: about a couple of decades here. <laughs> that tells you how stable the Steelers have been at that position and how unstable the Browns have been at that position. But that is pretty interesting. When did the, oh, they don't play until the end of the year. So unless the Browns have some kind of major collapse, I don't think uh, – Big yeah. Ben's gonna overtake yeah, he's that good. number anytime. I think soon.
1: he'll I think he'll do okay without it, but um, you know, surrendering that belt. But yeah, that that kind of says where they've been. I mean, when you mentioned Joe Hayden earlier, and obviously I know Joe. Um, a lot of respect for Joe, and I think even you know, Browns fans do too. He was drafted in two thousand and ten. So he's been in the league a long time. Mike Tomlin's been the coach, you know, since two thousand and seven. That's the last year the Browns had a winning record. Right? <laughs> so I mean, you just look at this, like, two completely different organizations. And, I, and I've said all along enough, when the Browns are back, they'll win in Pittsburgh. And mm-hmm. so that doesn't mean if they lose Sunday that, you know, all is lost and they're the same old Browns because that there's many, many indications that they're not. But I really believe, not saying this because mostly Browns fans are listening or not saying this because whatever, I really believe the Browns can win this game on Sunday. Oh, absolutely, they can win this game.
2: I mean, you look at the Steelers throughout the years; they, they don't blow out teams. It's always going to be a one possession, down to the end type of game. It's just like that's how it always been. So I don't see why this would be any other different, any differently of being a, a one score game. So just to just to you know, I, I think we I wrote this the other day and that thing I did with you, but just to get the Browns fans a little fired up. Um, last time Pitt, uh, Cleveland beat Pitt, uh, the Steelers at Heinz Field was 0-3. That just happened to put the Steelers in position to draft one Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> the final year. Although Cleveland was worse than them, I think they picked Winslow like yes, like six picks, picks before, before them or something like that. But even when you beat the Steelers, you help them get the
1: guy who's ah, been the yes. thorn in your side. He is the bringer of joy, Mark Caboli. I am the writer of Brown's history. Sad freaking history, Zach Jackson. We thank you for listening. Civilized Barking will be back Sunday night slash Monday morning recapping a really big and really interesting game in Pittsburgh. Thank you, Mark. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon.